listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. But it's January 1st, 2023. Here we are. We made it. I know a lot of people are hyped about the new year. It's like, all right, it's a fresh, clean slate. Here we go. Let's get excited and amped. And then some people are just like, oh my goodness, here it goes again. I don't know. You're a little more pessimistic about the new year. You don't get quite as hyped about stuff like that. So whether or not you do New Year's resolutions, here's what the Bible teaches us to do. In the book of Titus, chapter 3, we're told to reflect on the past. Throughout Proverbs, numerous times we see that we should plan and prepare and, and, and actually, where's my path going? Like, what, what decisions am I making today and how will they affect tomorrow? So I love at this time of year to just step back, reflect on everything that happened in the previous year in 2022 What did I learn? What did I go through? What did God show me? And then to actually think about 2023. Maybe it's a word for the year that you have. Maybe it's a goal, an objective that you want to change. You want to do something a little differently. That's a really healthy thing to reflect and prepare and to learn from the past and to think ahead. Now, Next week, we are going to start a new series. We're going to go through two letters, the, the letter of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. We're calling this series Awake with Hope. This is one of the healthiest churches, the church at Thessalonica, one of the healthiest churches in the New Testament. And it's a letter that is filled with, with joy and hope as we look forward to the day of the Lord, the day that Jesus Christ will return. And we're going to work through that book, walk through that book together as a church. I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to show us a lot about just waking up, what's really going on in my life right now, and how can I prepare and live my life the fullest, to the fullest for Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. So that's next week. But this morning, I felt led to pause. And all week long, I have really been reflecting on 2022 and looking ahead to 2023. And I have to be honest with you, 2022 was a really hard year for me, for my family, one of the hardest years of my life. Physically, had a lot going on, financially, relationally, emotionally, we were all stretched thin in our family. And I'm so grateful for this church, for the friends that I have here, the friends that I have outside of this church. I'm thankful for God who was faithful who carried me through this year, he truly did. So it was a tough year, but at the same time, 2022 was also one of the sweetest years of my life. Julie and I went on a date on Friday night, got a babysitter, and we used one of those gift cards we got at Christmas. You know how good that feels, right, to go on a a dinner date and it's already covered with a gift card. So thank you, whoever gave us that gift card, because we had a few of those gift cards from you. But, uh, but yeah, we went on a date and we talked about this last year, the new year coming up. And really, it is amazing to think about. We had the gift of our, 
of our son Dawson. We have another little, little boy in our family. Julie and I's marriage is, is stronger and better than it's ever been. I have so much to be thankful for. We are really blessed. But I hope that you have carved out the time to reflect on 2022 and to look ahead to 2023. If you haven't done that yet, you still have today, okay? So, so cancel your plans, do whatever you have to do to pause and reflect. The question that you need to ask yourself is, where is the direction of my life going? It's not that you have it all figured out. We're going to see that in a minute. But where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years, in 30 years? And what am I doing right now to move into that direction? But 2023 is upon us. And I have a message for you today about 2023 that I'm calling Fresh Bread for a Fresh Year. This is a story uh, from, from John chapter 6 about Jesus feeding the 5,000. In this story, I want to point out three truths to you. And these three truths serve two purposes. The first purpose that all three of these points are gonna see, you're going to see are very personal. I want you to personalize this, and as you reflect and prepare for a new year, if you live out the three elements that we see embedded into this story, you are going to see yourself move in a positive direction. You are going to find yourself in a prime position, not just for 2023, but for the rest of your life. The second piece of this passage is not the personal side, but it's the communal side of Doxa Church. Our, our church body as a whole. Uh, we are a body of believers, and right now, we're entering the new year with a big, huge question mark hanging over our church's head. We have to be out of this location, this current building, in March. And that's a little scary. Humanly speaking, that's a little scary. Where are we going to meet? This place has been very good for us. God has blessed us here. We've grown. We've worshiped. We've seen him do great things. So many of us have incredible memories that are tied to this specific building and this property here that God has give, given to us and that he's used so mightily. Now, we've known this is coming, but it's still a daunting question mark. So this passage today, John 6, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, is not just the passage for this morning, January 1st, 2023. It's for Doxa Church in 2023. And it's for your future. I don't know if you have a life passage or not, but this is, you know, this is the time of year where you reflect on all these things. Like, if you don't have a life passage, this is a very good candidate for, for, for a life passage because there's three points of this story, and they're all about what do you do when you don't have the answer? What can you do when you don't know what's next? That's what, that's what we're going to see here in John 6. So turn with me there. And before we read the story, I want to lay down the background first. If you're there in John 6, we're going to get there in a minute. But this story, the feeding of the 5,000, it's actually recorded in all four Gospels. Which is, okay, like, oh, that's, that's interesting. That's great. Um, that tells you there's something special about this story. There's only 18 short stories 
that are in all four Gospels. But only four of those 18 are actually before Jesus' last week of his life, leading up to his, his death and crucifixion and resurrection. So only four stories in the entire New Testament are in all four Gospels. And here's one more thing about this. Besides the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. Another layer of this story is that Jesus didn't just do a miracle like this once. He also fed 4,000 people at a different time. So for those of you who like to just, I don't know, geek out over the Gospels, maybe you're like me a little bit. I love to really get into it. Like, what's going like on? Like, let's learn everything we can about this. Real quick, I want to do a little, little, side, little side quest for you before we get to our main story. But you may be thinking, okay, so if he fed 5,000, and then he also at another time fed 4,000, why is that story of the feeding of the 4,000 even in Scripture at all? I mean, isn't it like it's 1,000 less people? Like, what's, I mean, I don't want to say what's the big deal, because of course it's still a big deal, but it's not quite as grand, right? So what's, and of course you're not going to ask that out loud. Allowed. You would never, you would never ask that out loud. So you're going to let me ask that for you because I've thought of that just like you. So please don't judge me. Why, why are both in there? One's way better than the other. Apparently, what's what's going on? So the two miracles took place in different regions, and that's very key. The location, the feeding of the four thousand is important because it took place in the region of the Gerasenes, in the region of Decapolis. The feeding of the 5,000, which we're going to look at in a minute, was close to the Sea of Galilee in Bethsaida. So, all right, they're in different regions. So what? Why is that important, you ask? Well, because the feeding of the 5,000 happened in Jewish territory to the Jewish people. The feeding of the 4,000 happened to the Gentiles in Gentile area. So there's also some numerical clues which point out the distinctions, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus takes five loaves, which is reminiscent of the five books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Not only that, but when everyone had finished eating, there were 12 baskets left over. And this is probably alluding to either the 12 tribes of Israel or the 12 apostles. But the feeding of the 4,000 There were seven loaves used and seven baskets left over. And seven is the number of completion. So in this story where Jesus is the bread of life, it communicates, both of these stories communicate that Jesus isn't just the savior of the Jews, but also of the entire world. That's very, very significant. You see provision of the Lord here to everyone. You see his love for all people, both Jew and Gentile. And it shows you that Jesus did these miracles more than once, many of these miracles more than once, because he cares. He will soon claim at the end of John 6 to be the bread of life. And in these miracles, Jesus feeds them this miraculous bread in preparation for the day when he would have his own body broken like bread on the cross offering spiritual and eternal nourishment to all who would call upon him by faith. 
Now, I mentioned that this story was in all four Gospels, and every Gospel narrative gives you a few different details. And I love that about the Gospels. When you see the Gospels, whether it's a story that's in there twice or or three times or four times like this one, you're getting a different man telling the story from a different perspective. And they're not exactly the same, you know, which, which actually really proves the authenticity and the reliability of Scripture to to not just have a word-for-word copy of the same story. Everybody's saying it from their point of view, but the story matches every single time. And and when you piece all of them together, you get an amazing picture of what was really happening. So we're not going to be in Matthew 14, which says the story. We're not going to be in Mark 6 or Luke 9. My favorite account is John chapter 6. So let's read together this story, and see what Jesus did here in the feeding of the 5,000. So John 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand, Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, and he distributed them to those who were seated, So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw that they had the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is coming into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So what we didn't read here that we do glean from Matthew 14 is that the reason Jesus was in this place to begin with, out here in this desolate area, was because his cousin John had just been beheaded by King Herod. And Jesus was very emotionally distraught about that. And Jesus withdrew. When John the Baptist was martyred, Jesus felt that. Jesus is 100% God. And when he came to this earth, born in a manger, he was also 100% man. He feels things the same way you and I feel things. Matthew 14, 13 says, Now when Jesus heard this, speaking of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot to the towns. Now, if you're thinking about your 
2022 and your 2023, here is an important thing not to overlook. Matthew slides this in, but it's the value of self-care. Jesus knew that he needed to get alone. He needed to get away. He needed to take time to pray to his father. He needed to get away from everyone else and do that. And sometimes in our busy hustle and bustle culture, we just don't ever have time for that. Maybe that's a New Year's resolution that you need to have just right there, this lesson from Jesus Christ, to take time, to pause, to reflect, to get alone. It's very important. Jesus gave us that example. But here's a nuance that we can pick up from Mark chapter 6, verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So in the middle of Jesus dealing with this deep personal emotional pain, he still looked out to the crowd with a heart of compassion. Do you see that? And this is where the biblical version of self-care is much different than our world's version of self-care, right? The world's self-care is just treat yourself. Go on that cruise. Get in that resort. Soak up the sun. Don't let anyone talk to you. You buy everything you want that you desire. Is that self-care? Because <laughs> Jesus' self-care is a lot different. He's out there talking with the Father. He's getting alone. But he also still sees people who are in need. And he has compassion about those people. He still considers others at the same time. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with taking a break, getting time for yourself that you need to refresh yourself, absolutely, but but you can easily go too far with that. And Jesus always shows us that he cares for others. And one of the ways we as followers of Jesus should emulate Jesus is by following this reoccurring truth. One of the ways you heal is by serving others. One of the ways you heal is by loving your neighbor, loving those around you. That always is good medicine for your heart. We're wired that way. So when you are hurt, when you feel broken, you can stay there You can meditate on and dwell on all the negative things that have happened to you, that people have done to you. You can even fall into a victim mentality with that. Or you can move on from that. And one of the ways you move on from that is by loving others. It's that simple. Luke 9-11 sheds even more light on what Jesus did to these needy people. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. So please don't miss this truth. One of the best ways that you can heal, and maybe you need some healing in 2023. One of the best ways you can heal is by compassionately loving others. That sets up this entire story. We, don't, we can't miss that truth. Self-care and love others. Those are bonus points. Those aren't even the three main points of this story, okay? <laughs> now let's dive into the three main truths 
that this story has for you and for our church. When you don't have the answer, what can you do? This is a very challenging situation. 5,000 men, notice it said men. So counting the women and children to mix in with that, most people assume this is more like 18,000 to 20,000 people. Have you ever been in one of those NBA arenas? They hold like 20,000 people, okay? Like that's how many people we have here. And it's getting late. It's getting dark. We're in the middle of nowhere. And I have to say, not every single one of these people is walking in the spirit, right? (laughs) They're not. Like with a crowd this big, there's also some people there that probably don't just want to hear Jesus. They want to come and you know, check out what's going on, maybe take advantage of a situation. So this is actually turning into a little bit of a dangerous situation. The disciples are worried. It's late. It's getting dark. We have a bunch of people here who are getting hungry. What are we going to do? The first thing we have to do as followers of Jesus Christ, number one today, look past the physical. Look past what you can Touch, hold, and feel, and see in front of you. Look again at verses 5 and 7. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? If I was Philip, I'd be like, are you sure we got to go buy bread? Uh, what, are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> He said to this to test him. This is completely, Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus is asking this question to teach Philip a very, very important lesson. For he knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denario worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And I didn't actually, I don't really know how much 200 denaria is. It's a lot of money though, a lot of money. No one is carrying that kind of money around. This is an impossible situation that Jesus is throwing over to Philip. How would you like that? Like you're following Jesus, you love Jesus, and he just gives you an impossible task. Have you ever felt that way before in your life? Have you ever felt that way? What Jesus is teaching Philip is to look past the physical. And Philip right now is just stuck in the here and now. We don't have enough money. Have we ever said that? Have you ever said that? He's all practical. He's crunching the numbers. You know, it's pretty good math. I mean, I'm impressed, Philip. Like, you know exactly how much money to spend on on the food to feed this many people. This is how we all work through things, though. Sometimes we don't think about who we're talking to, Jesus Christ. We just think about this impossible task in front of me. We see the problem. We have a limited budget. Our money is tight. Our church doesn't have a building right now. What are we going to do? For you, maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your career path. Maybe it's a family relationship. You have an issue, a physical problem, and you don't have an answer to it. Look past the physical because you have a wonder-working Savior. We have to start believing in our God who is beyond the physical. He is above it all. He works miracles. And I could give you example after example. I, I won't do that right now. But in my life, I think about our first year of marriage. We had so many 
financial hurdles that just did not add up. The money coming in was not enough to cover what we had to pay for for our basic bills. God provided for us over and over again. We had bizarre, you know, tickets from, from out of state that we were getting in health, like hospital, you know, situations and, and bills. Like we were not prepared for all of it. God gave us all of those things, our first year of marriage for Julie and I, specifically to teach us, you know what, this is not about us and us figuring it out and us handling it and solving all the problems. He's going to provide. We learned that in our first year of marriage. Here's the next point, and this is such an important truth. As you look past the physical and to the spiritual, and you believe by faith in your supernatural Savior, what do you do next? Number two, offer what you have. Offer what you have. And I love Andrew here. He jumps in. He's trying to help. He doesn't have the answer, but this is all he has. Verses eight and nine. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. What are they for so many? He doesn't have the answer. He still doesn't have the answer, right? But he does say, look, we have something. This is all we have, and we're going to offer what we have. That's what he does. And Jesus takes that, and he multiplies it. There's so much here. I love that we have the kids in here today. Because this little boy, if you think about it, this little boy had no idea that his lunch, like, and this is a little boy's lunch, right? Like, it's not that big of a lunch. He had no idea what God was going to do with it. But he had the heart to say, you know what? This is what I have. I'll give it to Jesus. I will offer up what I have. This little meager, small gift, I'll give it to Jesus. At least Jesus cannot be hungry. That's a great heart. That's the heart, that childlike faith. Like what a beautiful picture of of giving what you have and then God taking it and multiplying it and multiplying it and turning it into something that is feeding thousands and thousands of people. In 2023, you may think, you know what? I don't have a lot. I don't have much. I can barely even pay my own bills. I can't really support this local church and tithe. Give your five loaves and your two fish, give, offer what you can, and he is going to abundantly multiply it and, and proceed with things greater that you could have never imagined. The boy had no idea what God would do with that. He gave it, and Jesus worked miracles with it. And Jesus always does this. Jesus could have spoken the food into existence, right? I mean, Jesus did that when he created the world. Jesus spoke this world into existence. Jesus could have just, voila, oh, wow, this is a nice steak dinner that just appeared into my lap. He could have done anything. But Jesus always uses his people. I mean, I think about the resurrection of Lazarus. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, what did he do right after that? He told the disciples to go untie him, unbound him. He was wrapped like a mummy in that tomb. And when Lazarus came out, Jesus used the disciples. He chooses to use us. He desires to use us. He has 
created us in his image to be a creator, to reflect him. So, of course, he is going to give us the opportunity to jump into the whole motion of the whole thing and do his work. We get to participate in what he's doing in and through us. When you don't have the answer, you don't have it all figured out, you need to have faith and simply offer what you do have. God has provided for our church for over four years. And I could tell you story after story again for these four years of God just providing for this church. It's amazing. God is behind it. He's faithful. He is the one who's building his church. It's not on us, right? So here we are. We've been here for, in this building for three years. It's been, this building has been very good to us. What makes you think that all of a sudden God is just going to stop providing. That's not who he is. So let's get bold in our prayers and ask for something wonderful. He's not going to let you go hungry. He's not going to let you fade away. He's going to provide for you. He's going to provide exactly what you need in 2023. Look past the physical limitations. Offer what you have to Jesus Christ. And number three... Participate in the wonder. Jesus used this small gift from a little boy, the loaves and the fish. He offered it. He did great things with it. Everyone, I love this too. You can't miss this piece. Everyone ate to their full. They were completely satisfied. It was an all-you-could-eat buffet, all right? And there were, then there were still 12 baskets left over. These people were starving. They'd been out in the wilderness all day, and they still have more than enough. Jesus always gives grace upon grace upon grace. That's who he is. He won't just provide. He will give you more than you deserve, more than you will ever need. He is good like that, and he loves to give good gifts to his children. If you are his child, he will do the same for you. Even when physically it doesn't look like it, give it time, he will. The invitation here is for you to let go of figuring it all out yourself. Please let go of that. And start believing in the wonder-working God. That's what we see here. We have to trust and obey our good Father who gives us precious good gifts. Every good gift is from above. Trust and obey him. I came across a great quote this week by a faithful pastor um, named David Wilkerson who has since gone to be with the Lord. But here's something he said that fits right in with this, when God calls you to do something, he is not always calling you to succeed by your standards. He's calling you to obey. The success of the calling is up to him. The obedience is up to you. You obey your faithful God and you leave the results up to him. Watch him do something amazing. Watch him do something that you never imagined. In your wildest dreams, you would have never came up with that. 
There's a lot of things. If you're reflecting on 2022 that happened in 2022 that you were not expecting, some good, some bad. Think about your life. Where are you at right now? You have no idea where exactly where you're going. Maybe you have a plan. Let me tell you this. Your future, if you're following Jesus Christ, if you're letting go of what you can handle and hold and you're looking past the physical and you're offering what you have to your Savior and you're participating in the wonder, your life in 2023 and beyond is going to be better than you have even dreamed up. It's going to be better than your plan. All you do is start obeying. Jesus said, remember this? You have not because you ask not. So let's start praying some bold prayers for 2023. He is always faithful. Always. He doesn't disappoint. And I tell you what, I've been challenged this week to dream big and to ask big because we have a big God who loves to provide more than we deserve. That's what we see in this story. Offer what you have, absolutely. He, he rarely operates by just dropping something out of thin air, right? I mean, we see that in this story. He, he doesn't really, I mean, he could. He, 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 he will if he wants to. But rarely does God operate that way. Usually he asks you to participate in it and offer what you have, and then he does something amazing through it. So start with obedience. Give your loaves and your fish. Watch him multiply it beyond your wildest imagination. One of the best ways that you can heal is by compassionately loving others. And one of the best ways you can grow is by sacrificially serving others. Do you see how those two things connect? Worship team, you can come up. As we close, I want to say this. This is going to be a challenging year for our church. This may very well be a very challenging year for you. The economy is rough. We all feel it. And we can't solve all these issues. You don't have all the answers. None of us have all the answers. But the sooner you start relying on Christ and seeking his will, abiding in Jesus Christ, walking in the spirit, the sooner you will find rest in the peace that surpasses understanding. I know some of us are weary. I know some of you are just very skeptical about this new year based off of everything that has previously happened to you. This story almost sounds too good to be true. Is it really that simple? Look what Jesus did. He didn't just do this for the Jews. He did this for everyone. This is for you too. Verse 22 says, On the very next day, the crowd followed him to Capernaum. Pick it up with me in verse 25, because this next part is amazing. Verse 25, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. There's people who follow Jesus for the wrong reasons. To get something else. 
for them. Verse 27, do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And when they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Trust and obey Jesus. Verse 30, so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Is that not amazing that they just asked this question the day after he fed the 5,000? I'll never get over that one. Show us a sign. (laughs) What? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate man in the wilderness as it is written. He said, give them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven, Jesus, and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And this is where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We could keep going on in this chapter. But the truth of this story are exactly what you need for your life, wherever you're at. I don't care where you're at. We all need these three truths. Look past the physical, offer what you have, and participate in the wonder. It's that simple. And Jesus Christ is the bread of life. This entire miracle points to him. He is the point of it all. The fresh bread is Jesus. Jesus is who you need in 2023. Jesus is who you need for the rest of your life. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, the bread of life. Thanks for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at doxaupstate.church. You are loved.